0: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Alex Hausen, and this is Right Medicine, a weekly podcast that explores best practices in creating content that connects with and educates health professionals. I'm a former nurse and an academic who spent the last 16 years as an independent medical writer and researcher, creating and evaluating education content for health professionals. If your work involves planning, designing, delivering, or evaluating education for health professionals, This podcast is for you.
1: Celebrating its 10th year as the premier online event for CME professionals, CME Palooza will be back in 2023 with its spring and fall events. So mark your calendars for Wednesday, April 12th and Wednesday, October 18th. CME Palooza, it's free, it's fun. And it's just plain fantastic.
0: The content creation process in Continuing Education for Health Professionals combines both art and science. As a result, creating content for Continuing Education attracts people who are synthesizers, information seekers and creators, like academics, researchers or health professionals looking for a career change. In episode 46, we explore making the leap from clinical work to medical writing with Esther Langmack, MD, a medical writer and CME consultant. Esther shares that creating education content for health professionals offers flexibility and autonomy. And she advises, let your curiosity draw you along. Take stock of your weaknesses, strengths or challenges, and then think about how you can acquire the skills you need to be effective and successful. In continuing education. I'm your host, Alex Housen, and this is Right Medicine. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Housen, your host, and this is Right Medicine. I'm here today with Esther Langmack, MD, who is a medical writer and CME consultant. And we're going to talk about the process and experience of moving from a clinical context or from clinical work into medical writing welcome Esther
1: thank you so much Alex it's my pleasure to be here today
0: it's really good to to see you I've actually been or Esther and I've actually been connected on LinkedIn for a long time <laughs> and this is probably the first conversation we've had since that initial conversation way back in I don't know 2010 but I follow her <laughs> her work and I and I hear the uh, amazing things that she's doing in her CME work. So let's start by just telling listeners a little bit about who you are and something about the work that you do.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a former pulmonary and critical care physician, and I spent most of my career as a pulmonologist at an academic medical center here in Denver, Colorado. And my role there was to see patients in pulmonary clinic. I was also involved heavily in education efforts within the institution. And I was the medical director for the CME unit at that particular center as well. So I had a variety of different responsibilities. But after a brief and valuable stint in the non-CME medical communications world, after I left the academic center, I started my own medical freelance medical writing and consulting business in 2017. And I've really focused almost exclusively on medical writing and consulting in the CME space. So that's
0: quite a big leap to go from clinical work to medical writing. How did you, and starting your own business in 2017. So how did you get drawn into medical writing in the first place?
1: Yeah, so I would say it was a gradual process. I think it started out with me just being very curious about what medical writing was in my roles as an academician, I did a fair amount of writing. I wrote manuscripts. I did give CME presentations. I was a consumer of CME presentations as a, as a learner as well. And, you know, I tended to be someone who colleagues would come down the hall and say hey i've got a manuscript or i've got a you know quick piece that i just wrote for another publication could you just take a couple minutes and look at it and i always enjoyed doing that i always say i was the kind of academician who who enjoyed writing mm-hmm. grants more than i enjoyed performing the research <laughs> so that was a clue <laughs> that is a clue <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so i had various you know Places in my varied roles at an academic center where I was involved heavily in teaching, trainees, other clinicians, the general public. And I was also doing communications work, whether that was writing or speaking or giving, you know, slide presentations on various topics to people. So that was kind of my base. And then I would say my curiosity about medical writing started gradually. I don't even remember exactly how I heard about it, but I did do some research online. And my research online connected me eventually with the American Medical Writers Association, or AMWA. And I thought, well, you know, I have a little bit of extra money in my physician education fund. I think I'll just take myself to some AMWA conferences. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to go to AMWA conferences. Maybe I should just go ahead and try to do the coursework to earn an essential skills certificate in medical writing. And maybe I'd learn more about it that way, you know, talking with Mm -hmm. other writers, seeing what was really involved. So I would say AMWA was really central in my finding out more about the field and kind of gradually just developing the skill set and finding out more about what different kinds of medical writers do. Not everybody does, as you know, does CME work. Um, there mm-hmm. are people working in regulatory, people who just do communications for patients. There's a lot of different roles that medical writers can play. And I had, as a physician, had no idea what was really involved in those. So AMWA was was really pivotal for me.
0: So you're obviously somebody who's who's driven by curiosity. That comes up a lot in what you're You know, when you're describing your experience and your love of words and text and, and writing, when you did some of the AMWA courses, were you, can you talk a little bit about how those helped you? Because it sounds as though you already enjoy, not only enjoyed the process of writing, but were actually able to write. And so I'm curious what, if any, the lift was in doing some of those courses.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I would have to say the main take-home that I got from doing the coursework was that writers have a certain skill set. And although I considered myself to be a pretty good writer, I've always enjoyed writing. Like I said, my colleagues would occasionally compliment me by getting my input. But I think what I really took home was, you know, this is a discipline. You have to know the skills. You have to understand what AMA style is, for example, or another style if you happen to be using that when you write. It's necessary to know how to search the medical literature. It's also necessary to learn how to really talk about quantitative things and statistical outcomes. And there, there are people that I came in contact with through my coursework with AMWA, who I realized are just absolutely phenomenal experts at this. And so that was really, I think, eye-opening to me. It made me realize that if I wanted to pursue this further, I had to acquire skills that were common to the discipline. And so you do, I think it, certain points in this journey, you have to kind of ask yourself, well, you know, I don't, do I, do I have the time? Do I have the interest? Do I have the commitment to make the next step in acquiring those skills? And I just kind of, I did it kind of gradually. I just said, well, you know, I'll go to the AMWA meetings for the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. The coursework was not hard to complete. And I always enjoyed going to the meetings. I always learned a ton. So gradually, over time, I was able to earn the essential skills certificate. And I think that gave me more confidence. Mm -hmm. I understood a little more what I should be striving for what I should be doing. And it showed me that yeah, you know, with a little bit of hard work, curiosity, I was able to acquire those skills and keep taking the next step. So it was a gradual process. And I I did. I know that there are other things that people think about as far as skill acquisition for being a medical writer. Clearly, being a freelance, there is a business component to this, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I certainly have had to come up to speed on many of those things as well. But for me, fundamentally, I felt like, you know, if I'm going to be a writer, then I should learn how to write, and then I can learn the business aspects of things later. And AMWA was actually really helpful for that, too, because there are often sessions at those meetings or online where business skills and tips and tricks are shared. And that was really, really helpful to me as well.
0: Yeah, there's some really business savvy people in, in the <laughs> absolutely Network Association. So it's it's well worth joining and, and networking for, for that yes. alone if you're going to be freelance. So how did you take those Skills, and I know that you're talking about this as a gradual process, into the practice of being a freelance medical writer.
1: Right. So, you know, I first of all applied those skills in my work at my academic institution. Mm. So I think I mentioned that I was the CME medical director. And, you know, in addition to learning the rules, policies, regulations that apply to CME, which is ultimately been very helpful to me i was often called on by people in that cme unit which in that institution really functioned like and still functions like a small medical education company they go after grants they produce content they distribute content so i was often the person where people would walk down the hall and would say hey can you review a slide set or hey could you fix dr so and so's slides <laughs> Could you edit these? That morphed into projects where I was doing medical writing for patients. It morphed into me creating slide sets, organizing, you know, CME events. I eventually took over a little fledgling lung cancer newsletter, online newsletter Mm -hmm. that happened to be kind of floating around the institution. No one really wanted to have anything to do with it. And I said, well, you know, I'll do that. So I picked up little projects at my home institution first. And part of it, again, was people knew I was interested. I had talked to people and said, hey, you know, I'm kind of pursuing this education in medical writing. And then part of it was me just speaking up and, and volunteering and saying, hey, yeah, you know, I know it's not necessarily part of my stated role as medical director, but I'll do that. So that, I think, gave me good experience. And of course, because I was, you know, a salaried employee, I wasn't at that point, thinking about how to make money, I was just practicing my writing. And that was really a gift to be able to have that opportunity, and not feel the pressure of working within a client relationship, as I do now as a freelance. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got my toes wet. And then when I left National Jewish and went to work as the medical director for a non-CME medical communications company, I was nominally in charge of several writers there. I worked with an amazing copy editor and editor. And again, I was just really fortunate. I learned a tremendous amount from working with my colleagues who I, I guess I was supposed to be supervising them, but they were all so talented that I honestly didn't have to do much. And then again, I, you know, I wrote pieces and had someone just completely tear them apart and copy edit for me. And I've, I've used those lessons going forward, you know, as well. So it was, my decision in 2017 to go out on my own as a freelance medical writer, the company, the non-CME company that I was working with at that time, unfortunately, went out of business. Not my fault. But anyway, I was just kind of, you know, sort of said to myself, well, you know, I've kind of always thought I could do this. So how do I set up an LLC? Who can I possibly approach? Mm-hmm. To, as a potential client, and I was able to, fortunately, do some needs assessment CME work with my former academic institution. They knew me well. I knew them. I knew the subject and topic areas that they were submitting proposals in, and I was able to kind of start by writing some needs assessment. That's <laughs> the so again, a little bit of a teach yourself as you go Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of process. But that led to gradually led to other opportunities over time.
0: So there's a lot to unpack there. And I have a bunch of of follow up questions. Uh, There's so much here. One is kind of going back to what you were talking about in terms of your role as a CME director at National Jewish and being kind of immersed in all the policies and regulations that are associated with with CME. A lot of kind of budding medical writers who come into CME aren't necessarily aware of what some of those policies and regulations are. How important Mm -hmm. do you think it is for medical writers to really be apprised of the regulatory framework within CME? And where do they go for that information?
1: Yeah. So, you know, for me, some of it was just on the job training. I worked with other people in the CME unit who had, you know, longstanding experience. Most of them were not physicians. I think the head of the department when I sort of came on was a physician at that point, but the other people weren't. They were extraordinarily experienced. There was a lot of change going on in CME. And regulation at that time. And that was also the time when the CHCP exam first got going. And I think it's a holdover from being clinically trained or being a medical student or something. But I thought, well, you know, if I have to learn all this stuff, then I might as well just take the exam. I'll just study (laughs) and take the exam. (laughs) Right. Because I thought, well, I got to learn it anyway. So I might as well get credit for the learning. And, you know, so anyway, I think I may have been one of the first certificate holders, but that gave me a really good foundation mm-hmm. in terms of what the principles of learning are, what the regulatory issues are. And I do feel that for the the CME space, even if a physician or a clinician has been a faculty member, it is they often don't know kind of the back end of CME, and they don't necessarily know about the rules, policies, and ethics, I would say, of doing CME. So it is, I think, important for people to have that exposure if they intend to work in the CME space. Mm -hmm. I would highly recommend the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. As you know, we generally call that the Alliance, right? It's gone by a number of different names over the years, but they have some really excellent online resources. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of treated myself and went to some meetings. I think that's where you and I first met just randomly because we were seated, seated next to each other in a big plenary session of some sort. But I learned a lot by going to the meetings. And then again, as I've said over the years, they've expanded their online training and resources as well. So the information is out there. I think it's a matter of trying to expose yourself and and learn as much as you possibly can. Certainly some people choose to go ahead and take the CHCP exam. I don't personally know if that's necessary, but for me that kind of was a foundation and it just sort of mm-hmm. pitched me forward into learning more about that field. And and that's important if you're going to write in that field because you are creating content for CE activities and it is important that you understand what is fair and balanced in terms of content and presentation. It's important to understand the process through which something gets accredited because you would hate as a writer to have to go back and redo things, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? And that's not efficient and so, you know, if you can understand those things up front, I think that's important. And then as a writer, you do you bear a fair amount of responsibility when it comes to content creation. You you need to be able to represent the science and the medicine faithfully and accurately because those are ultimately things that you're going to pass on to a wide variety of learners. So, again, understanding the be- the basic principles of the field, I think is critical for writers in that in that area. In the same way that it would be critical if you're a regulatory writer, right, to understand the mm-hmm. principles and policies that go along with making a submission to FDA or mm-hmm. another regulatory body. This is, you know, CME space is different and it's important that we understand what we're doing there. A hundred percent. I'm curious how helpful you find I mean, you're talking about
0: representing the science and the medicine, but how helpful have you found it, you know, actually being a clinician? So you've had experience in clinical practice, working with patients, making decisions, evaluating, monitoring, initiating treatment. One of the things I hear from newer writers is that they often don't have that. They just don't have that context of clinical practice. Uh They know the science. They can find their way through the medical literature but they don't really have an understanding of what it is that clinicians are doing with that information in a real world setting so can right. you talk a little bit about what that adds to the experience of of being a writer in this field
1: sure absolutely i have a couple thoughts on that first of all is i think you know as clinicians and i'm not just including physicians in this i mean you know nurses nurse practitioners other Allied health professionals, we sort of share a common way in which we were all educated. And I think that gives us as writers in the field some insight into how we learn, or at least what our past learning experience has been, a little bit about what our expectations are when we enter into a learning activity. And, you know, naturally, our past learning experience also and this is really an incredible gift you know gives us proficiency in the language of medicine and the language of science and so many of us can can read a journal publication we can write a piece and use the language and the vocabulary appropriately and that is hard for people who are coming from maybe a writing background who don't have the science or medical background to pick up all that vocabulary and feel comfortable and proficient in using it. So that's that's one thing I think we as clinicians bring to the table. But what may be more important is, I think what you've alluded to, Alex, is what is the thinking process Mm -hmm. when it comes Mm -hmm. to doing clinical work? So how are our minds kind of Going through that decision kind of tree when we're doing differential diagnosis or trying to diagnose a person, trying to figure out what's going on. What are we doing? We we often, many of us have been doing it for so many years. We don't even think about it, right? Oh, it becomes tacit knowledge. Right, right? (laughs) exactly. It's you know, it's just kind of a natural way you think, and there's a certain amount of skepticism right do i have this right what if i don't have this diagnosis right you know what's the risk here clinicians are always weighing that mm-hmm. and then of course and this is often the focus of many cme activities is how will you make decisions regarding treatment or management and again i think clinicians through their training are exposed to the general principles of making management decisions And clearly, part of that, as you've alluded to as well, is working with patients and families. You know, these are human beings. This is where the art of medicine and science often comes in. And I think clinicians understand that the decision making process may seem very straightforward on paper, but when it gets into the messy world of Mm -hmm. people, of institutions, of insurers, of all of the other things that impact medical care, it becomes a much more complex process. So, I think we as clinicians who are in the world of CME or medical writing, I think we, we can sympathize with clinicians who are learners. <laughs> we know that this is kind of a messy process. Mm-hmm. We know that there's a lot of uncertainty sometimes, and that should be you know, that's part of our our role, you know, as teachers and educators, I think, and writers is to try to make some clarity there, to try to make it easier. Mm. And, you know, I think one of the things I'm always keeping in mind, too, is that when clinicians who are learners are participating in a CE activity, they feel time pressure, right? They don't want to spend time on things that they already know, or that they don't feel as valuable. And again, as writers, we're really challenged when we're we're helping faculty to create content. You know, how do we bring those points to the fore? How do we make sure we're really getting the message across? How do we make this useful? How is it practical? So anyway, I think it's a fascinating area. There are just so many different nuances to helping people learn it's a very creative space. I think that's another thing that I really like about it, that I was very attracted to. I certainly did look at other forms of medical writing. I, I know that many people really enjoy regulatory writing, but for me personally, I felt like I mean I I enjoy making precise, clear documents that follow the rules. I could I could just feel myself going, oh my gosh, I can't. I just don't think I can. I just don't think I can do everything that is necessary and have it come out being so dry. Mm-hmm. I kind of mm-hmm. like a little bit of the creativity. How do you draw people in? Right. Right. It's really a challenge. And I think that's one of the fun things for me to think about is, well, how, how will we get this message across and which of the many different tactics that we use in CME, Mm -hmm. you know, might be best for that. So that certainly fit me well. And I hope that I bring that sense of creativity to the projects that I work on while still, of course, upholding my commitment to being scientifically and medically accurate
0: well I think that's one of the really interesting things about the CME field is those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive creativity uh-huh. and adherence to scientific principles and medical science you can hold both of those things in the the practice and delivery of of writing yes but you talked about tactics and you talked about you know some of the things that writers can do to to draw that creativity and to draw people into the content. Can you share anything about that process or some of the things that you're thinking about as you're creating content for a CME activity?
1: Yeah. So I think it depends very much on the client, at least in my work as a freelance writer. Many times your client will have very definite ideas about how they would like, what tactic they would want to use. Frequently, of course, if they've been had an activity or a proposal funded, the proposal itself includes a fairly detailed discussion of what tactics are planned, right? So many times you brought a project and the tactic has already been right. determined ahead of time. But as a writer, you know, it's it's really pretty fun and sometimes quite challenging these days to keep up with the different ways in which education is delivered, particularly online. Mm-hmm. I must say when I first started working in the CME unit as an academic physician the main mode of delivery at that point was lecture slides mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dinner <laughs> right <laughs> I mean dinner is rapidly going away obviously and you know people were kind of slowly making migrating to doing online activities. And most online activities looked like, you know, a slide set with a voiceover. And of course, I think especially since 2020, when it was not feasible to have in person events, there's really been an explosion of online Mm -hmm. tactics. Clearly, as writers, we need to try to understand those as best we can. And Again, that's kind of one of the fun things about working in this area is there's always something new to learn. But I think we as writers too have an obligation again to not get too distracted by all the bells and whistles, but to kind of be able to look at things objectively and saying, "Okay, fine, but are we still meeting our educational mission here? Are we still delivering the messages and the information that will allow people to make good use of what we're communicating and go out into the world and apply it with people to help Mm -hmm. people live better lives. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, our obligation as writers is, yes, interesting tactics are out there. But again, are we keeping our messages and the delivery of information clean, consistent and accurate?
0: Right, I love that clean, consistent, and accurate. And so much of being a writer is actually knowing, especially in this field, is knowing what to leave out. Oh, absolutely. Back to (laughs) just having that mindset of what do clinicians do in clinical practice? Mm -hmm. So having some sense of what the everyday looks like, yes, and the context and setting in which clinicians learners are going to be applying what they learn from activities. You know, you've talked about some of the, the skills that clinicians bring with them if sure. they are moving into a CME writing or adding that to their clinical work. What are some of the challenges that <laughs> clinicians face in, yes. in making this
1: transition? Because it is sure. a, it is a big shift. It is a big shift. And I think number one is you know, maybe just being patient with yourself, you can't learn everything about the field at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, taking time to learn as much as you can, it's totally okay to look at the field and say, "Eh, you know what, this is just not going to meet my professional, personal or financial goals. That's fine. You know, you learned something, It might make you someday better at something else. It's, it's okay to abandon things if you don't feel like it's a good fit. But if you do feel like it's a good fit, then I think there are some common challenges that people have shared with me, you know, going forward. And yes, one of them is kind of the how do you run a business? Many of us are used to planting ourselves in an exam room and people patients magically appear and they come in and then they leave and we do our thing we don't have to think about necessarily the business decisions or the logistical decisions that are associated with that so that can be kind of a shock <laughs> but again these are you know these are skills that can be learned just like the writing side of medical writing that can be learned these are things that you can acquire by multiple different ways including networking talking to other Um, working writers. And so I think that is definitely one of the challenges. Honestly, one thing I learned working for the non-CME medical communications company was a little bit about how to build business relationships. Because again, as a clinician, my primary relationships were with my academic colleagues or with my patients. Mm -hmm. And through many years of clinical training, I knew how to establish relationships with patients, but I don't think I really understood a little bit about the art of having business relationships. So it was a great experience for me to work in a non-medical setting and see how other people do that. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. what are the, why is it important that we learn about so-and-so's pets? Well, turns out it's kind of important. <laughs> right? Anyway, those are those are things that I personally had to learn in addition to really learning the writing and and buffing up my writing skills as well. I don't know if there are there other things that clinicians have shared with you Alex that they find particularly challenging when they try to enter the field. That's a good question. So, I think the I think the main challenge is it
0: just actually having a view of what the field actually is. Yes, you know it's so amorphous, yeah. and it's really challenging for not only clinicians but certainly some of the clinicians that I've I've spoken to. Just challenging to kind of see what what are the roots in, and what are the different pieces of CME, and how do they connect to each other? Mm-hmm. And I think your point about, and to be clear. It's important to know about people's pets because because it is about fostering relationships. Yes, and you know building conversations from a very kind of a human level, and that is that is something that clinicians do, as you pointed out, with patients and colleagues. But it takes on a very functional role in in the context of being a kind of freelance writer or even working for, you know, a CME company or. Or department that produces content. So, I'm rambling a bit here, but I think I think the main thing is just having that sense of what is CME. It's amorphous. It's what what is this substance? Who are the key players? How do all these different pieces relate to each other? Is kind of
1: tricky. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would also add. I think that the other. And this may come as a surprise to to non-clinicians and and maybe some clinicians too, but we often aren't really taught very much about how pharmaceutical or a device product comes to market in the United States. So, you know, I think one of the best, one of the skills that I took away from working in non-CME medical communications was really getting a window into how a drug comes to be developed and then how the regulations that apply to communicating to people about that product once it is on the market, what those are. And there's a lot of CME, obviously, that is funded by pharma companies. And it's important to be extremely judicious about fair balance when we create content. But we also need to understand what the perspective of potential funders for CME is as they do the research, await their phase three clinical trial results, and think about bringing a product into the marketplace. That is something that I think is an important element to consider in CME. Clearly, there are parts of CME where you may never have to think about those things, but being able to read prescribing information, being able to understand what the development process is in terms of phase one, two, three, four clinical trials, I think is a key part of knowledge um, at least in the CME part of medical writing
0: oh i I agree a hundred percent, and also as an adjunct to that the the process of actually bringing an education activity to to fruition so that whole <laughs> yes. kind of cycle of of planning and who's involved in that, and what they're responding to, and who's going to read a needs assessment, and what are they going to do with that? <laughs> what kind of decisions right. are they going to make? Absolutely. And the role that a needs assessment often plays in not just needs assessments, but the education activity itself uh-huh. plays within independent medical education departments in pharmaceutical companies. They, you know, those kind of products allow. IME professionals to get validation from their colleagues in other departments within the pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. industry. So there's lots of layers that are, you know, often just mostly kind of hidden to most of us when we first come into the field, for sure.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, And that, again, is kind of a reason to try to develop some knowledge. Maybe an alliance meeting would be right for you. But again, I was just on their website the other day, they have some just fantastic offerings online now that just kind of take you can take you through the basic fundamental, I think they call it their cornerstone series. But it the basically is just yeah. the you know, it's the fundamentals of of CME and how what the process mm-hmm. is. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think that's, we're really fortunate these days to have those kinds of online resources, because honestly, <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, that didn't exist. Now you can Become you know educated without necessarily having to go fly across the country and go to an, a national meeting.
0: Exactly, those things are more apparent. One final kind of question, any advice that you would give to clinicians who are thinking of making the shift from medicine or nursing or pharmacy into CME writing?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know, going back to a word you pulled out, be curious. let your curiosity draw you along. As you do that, kind of take stock of your own personal strengths, maybe your own personal weaknesses or challenges. And, you know, if you find yourself feeling like, yeah, I really want to pursue this, then think about how you can acquire the skills that you will need. Again, it's a gradual process. It won't happen in two months. It won't happen in six months, probably. But I think You know, in the same way that we had to acquire skills to be clinicians or other kinds of medical professionals, we still have to think about acquiring the skills that we might need if we're going to be medical writers in whatever kind of context, you know, we find ourselves, whether that be regulatory writing or CME. And again, it's okay at the end of the day, if you say to yourself, you know what, I looked into this, this isn't for me. That's fine. Move Mm -hmm. on, find something else. But it's also good to to hear that little part in your head that says, "Ooh, this is kind of cool." You know, I want to I want to find out more about that. Who could I talk to? Where could I go? What could I look at? And if if that keeps kind of popping up, then I think that's worth following. You know, see where it leads you.
0: Was there a moment when you identified yourself wholeheartedly as a writer?
1: <laughs> as a writer. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I've always enjoyed writing. I don't, well, fun fact, Mm -hmm. I had planned when I entered college to be an English major. Ended up not doing that. Ended up being a science major instead. But again, something I've always enjoyed. I think it really, I really started thinking of myself as a writer when I was, still faculty member at the academic institution, working with the CME department and was, you know, literally tasked with, you know, writing things for patients, writing white papers, writing different things. And I sort of, at that point, started to think of myself as a medical writer. Yes, I had written journal articles and other kinds of publications before, but I think then it was really that was really when it dawned on me, hey, I'm taking some of these things that I've learned through AMWA and other places, and I'm actually bringing those things that I've learned into these pieces that I'm creating. Right. And then that, I think, was the point at which I started to say, yeah, you know, I think this is what I am now, <laughs> in addition to being a clinician at that point, obviously.
0: Esther Langmack, MD, writer, strategist. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with listeners of Right
1: Medicine. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: If you're like me and see yourself as a lifelong learner who loves connection with other CME professionals, come and check out what Right Medicine offers in terms of community and courses. And I'd love to hear from you what you're interested in learning more about on the podcast. And if you like the podcast or a particular episode, consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or share with your colleagues and peers. There's a link in the show notes to help you do all of these things. See you next time.